This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. So today we're picking up our uh, series through Acts, and we're going to be looking at Acts 7, which is the story of Stephen. Um, but before we start, I just want to start with a quick story. So um, a couple of weeks ago, as part of half term, we had the pleasure of going over to Norway uh, for a few days to see our new nephew, baby cousin. Um, and we had a, it was a short trip, but we had an amazing time. We got to see, we stayed in a little cabin by, by a fjord. We went to, to Langfoss, which is one of the, the biggest waterfalls in Europe. And we even got a little trip up in a plane. Um, our brother-in-law is a pilot. And so we had an amazing time. And it was, it was lovely, obviously, to see our new nephew, ba- uh, baby Bjorn. And when you become a parent, I think nothing kind of quite prepares you just for the sheer level of noise that's going to enter your life. And... Bjorn was very cute, and we were really surprised, because actually, he was surprisingly quiet. Um, and don't get me wrong, he was, he was a normal baby, you know, crying when he needed uh, food, changing, waking in the night. I'm sure his parents didn't agree with our statement. Um, but in terms of just sheer, like, decibel volume, I think we realized just how much noisier they get as they get older. Um, and I think that's especially true in confined spaces. So... Um, given where we live, so we live out uh, west uh, over in near Aberfoyle, um, and so our life is lots of driving involved. So we're driving to church, we're driving to school, clubs, trips, work, you name it. There's lots of driving, and normally it's a, it's a really enjoyable experience because it's, it's a beautiful place. So just the drive over this morning, stunning, like clear day, amazing scenery. On Friday, we drove over to Balfron to get, get my hair cut, and the sunset was spectacular. I don't know if you saw the sunset on Friday. Kind of the hills were orange, all the oak trees were kind of golden. It was absolutely beautiful. But factor a few growing children in the back of a small car, and uh, things get a little bit more challenging. So if we can make it from Kinlochard to Aberfoyle, which is all of about five miles, without kind of a major conflict breaking out, then we're doing quite well. You know, I'm sure you know the drill, you know, someone's touching me, um, you know, someone breathed on me, you know, why am I, why do I have to be the one in the middle? And, you know, what can just start off as a comment can quickly escalate into a full-on shouting match. And don't get me wrong, I remember this all too well. Um, I'm one of four, I've got three sisters, and, you know, I, I used to love kind of stirring the pot, the odd po- poking the ribs or... One of my sisters was always terrified that the, car, the handbrake would come off, so I'd just, like rock the car. And, uh, and my older sister, this when we were getting a bit older as well, she would have all of her CD collection in like alphabetical order, and I'd just sneak into her room and move them around. To... But so what you realise, I guess, in these co- in these situations is conflict leads to further conflict. And I think as a parent, your instinct is to kind of weigh in. So all the shouting's going on, and so you join in, uh, and y- your voice kind of louder than the others, and it rarely works. It just kind of it just escalates. It just gets louder and louder. So today, so we're looking at Acts seven, 
so this is the story of Stephen. Stephen, who was, he was the first martyr in, um, in, the, in, the, in the early church. And so Acts 7 is essentially, it's the last chapter in the kind of first section of Acts. So it's this, this, this is the story of the early church in Jerusalem, living in Jerusalem. And Acts, we've, as we've heard, you know, it's, it's written by Luke, and it's a continuation of the story of Jesus that he wrote from Luke's gospel into the Acts of the Apostles. And it's a continuation of Jesus' ministry, first living with, uh, with the disciples, with the apostles, as the resurrected Jesus, which I think must have been quite, quite something. And then after his ascension, it's the, God pours his spirit out on the disciples at Pentecost. And we see that kind of vision of the, the spirit comes again in fire. So when we go back to the Old Testament, when God, when God appears to his people, Moses at the burning bush, pillar of fire in the kingdom, it's a symbol of his presence and his fire comes on his people. Um, and so here we're introduced to Luke's story in, in this bit of the, of, of the chapter, of there's a story of two temples. So there's Herod's temple, which is a temple of stone in Jerusalem uh, that Herod built and that Jesus would have, would have worshipped at, the disciples would have worshipped at. But this is the moment where uh, we're kind of moving into the new covenant where Jesus' temple is built uh, from his people. So his, his spirit's poured out on his people and he inhabits his people. We're moving into that New Testament reality from a a temple of stone, which is still very present, into a living temple where God's Spirit lives inside of us. And so in in Acts, they're full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, They go in power. They're spreading the good news. They're healing people. Uh, They're able to speak in many languages. And the, the news spreads and the church grows really rapidly. And we hear how the kind of early church, they're living in a, in a new radical way. So they're kind of in new family groups of people that they may never have met before. They're selling what they had so that the, that the poor among them had what they needed. Um, and they took on the job of G, that Jesus kind of started. They, they continued his ministry and they're living out this radical new kingdom. And so here, initially in Acts 6, we're introduced to Stephen. And he's a young, charismatic leader. And he's teaching in the old temple, so in Herod's temple and the stone temple um, and he's, he's, he's speaking about the new temple the new reality the new way of Jesus and it says he's a man full of God's grace and power and he performed great wonders and signs and now opposition starts to arise amongst members of the synagogue and they, they're arguing with Stephen but it said no one could stand up against the against the wisdom the spirit gave Stephen as he spoke so they couldn't overcome Stephen with words, so they escalated the conflict. And just as we saw with Jesus, they began to spread rumors against, about Stephen that he was blaspheming against Moses and God. And so he's arrested and he's brought before the Sanhedrin, just like Jesus was. So that the Sanhedrin, they're a legal assembly of elders, and they kind of ruled the, um, the Jewish laws and customs. So it said that they stirred up... Uh, they sold up false witness against Stephen. So they basically, you know, they, they, they lied about him. They kind of spread these rumors. And they said, we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, will destroy this temple, and he's going to change the customs that Moses handed down to us. Essentially, they're accusing him of being a terrorist. He's going to physically destroy the, the, the temple. He's threatening the temple. And so we come to, to chapter 7, 
Um, and this is Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin. It's a really powerful speech, and it's, it's quite long, so I'm, I'm not going to read it through. You can obviously go through that and do that yourself. But essentially what Stephen d- does is he goes back to the Old Testament, and he, he effectively uh, retells the story of Israel uh, and God's relationship through the Old Testament covenant. And he tells them basically how predictable their response to him is because they're doing just what Israel has always done. Through, so through, he highlights characters like Joseph, like Moses, like the prophets, people who were, con- they were consistently rejected and then persecuted by their own people. So he's saying, like, you're, you're just as bad. You're doing, you're doing this all over again. And you're, you're, rejecting, you're rejecting us. You're rejecting Jesus. And by doing that, you're rejecting God himself. And so what we see is this naturally leads to an escalation of the conflict again. So they get, they get angry. They get really angry. It says they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. And kind of in this moment of kind of escalating chaos and an argument, Stephen has a vision. And so he says, it says he, look, he says, look, I see the heaven open. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But at this, it kind of makes it even worse. So they cover their ears, and they, he says they're yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. And as Stephen's dying, he commits himself to the way of Jesus. So just like Jesus, he lets it happen. He chooses to suffer because of the sins of others. And he even repeats something we hear at Jesus' death. He cries out, he says, Lord, don't hold their sins against them. So Stephen chooses not to escalate the violence. He actually chooses to extend He surrenders and he chooses to extend forgiveness. And in this moment, Stephen becomes the first martyr of the Jesus movement. And then right at the end of this chapter, and a bit kind of mysteriously, we're introduced to Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul. And so Saul in this moment is seemingly, he's witnessing and he's approving of what's happening to Stephen. He's kind of standing over his body. And Luke is telling us in this story that nothing is going to stop uh, this gospel that that Jesus has brought. Not even uh, the stoning of Stephen. Nothing's going to get in the way. And God chooses to use this moment, which obviously, again, is a, a moment where it looks like everything's going wrong. Just like when he died on the cross and the immediate response from all the disciples was, it's over. He chooses it to advance his kingdom. And so it's this moment where uh, the apostles and the disciples and the growing church have remained in Jerusalem. And because of Stephen's um, stoning, they scatter. And so they leave Jerusalem, they go into Judea, and then on to the ends of the, the earth. And so they're fulfilling what Jesus said to them in the Great Commission. So in this story, Stephen, just like Jesus, shows us that the gospel is a message of peace not of physical power. So the kingdom is not advanced by asserting physical or even verbal power. You know, we're not, we can't strong arm anyone into the kingdom. We can't argue anyone into the kingdom. It comes by the outpouring of his presence. It says, you know, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, 
says the Lord. And it comes by surrender. In Ephesians uh, 6, 10 to 12, we've got the, um, the armor of God. And it's the, the, the boots. So with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's what it is. It's the gospel of peace. So we're called to be peacemakers. You know, we're not called to be warmongers. And we are living in a world that is crying out for a generation of peacemakers. You know, our, our media is obsessed with stoking a culture war. And, you know, our politics at the minute is just as bad. You know, we're pitting people against each other because they're different, because they come from a different place, because they look different to us, because they choose to, you know, call themselves things that maybe we wouldn't. And so, you know, we see it all over social media. There's just this constant stoking, this kind of against people are pitting each other against each other. And sadly, I kind of, you can see the church gets involved in this as well, kind of from all sides. We're fearful of the other, and it's a constant seeking to be right and asserting our right to be right. And then, obviously, kind of looking at, you know, what's happening in Israel today. You know, on October the 7th, Hamas committed what was probably the biggest act of violence against the Jewish people since the Holocaust. So it was, it's not really been, I think, hugely reported, but the, the reports are kind of too horrifying to share. You know, 1,400 people were killed, hundreds of people were taken to hosp uh, hostage, it was kind of on the scale of the pogroms that were kind of in the 19th century right across Europe. So it was, it was horrific. And done by a group whose kind of stated aim is to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So they're, they're, they're really at threat. And the narrative from uh, Israel, from Israel's allies, um, has been that Israel's got a, a right to defend itself. And that is, that is objectively true. You know, the, a horrific thing was... was um, committed against them. But we're now in a situation where violence just leads to more violence. You know, the escalation, uh, it escalates. You know, thousands more people are, lo are losing their life in Gaza. Millions more kind of facing a really dire kind of situation. And so the question is for me is like, well, where, where does it end? You know, the, the, it escalates, doesn't it? It keeps going. And where are the peacemakers in all of this? And I know there are calls for ceasefire or pausing, but that's very, very different to uh, a peace process. You know, stopping the, the war, which is, would obviously be a, a good thing, but if it's just a ceasefire, you just go back to the status quo where they're basically living in fear and, and hatred of each other and waiting for the next kind of atrocity to happen. But a peace process looks different. It's about putting those differences aside. It's able to kind of move forward together. So, so to be a peacemaker, to make peace, means putting aside our right to retaliate, to escalate, to maybe to seek justice, to seek revenge, but to kind of surrender. So Leo Tolstoy was one of the greatest writers uh, of the novelists of the 19th, 20th century. Um, Many people don't know, but he was also one of the greatest peacemakers. So he was nominated for the, for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. Um, and he had, a, he had a pretty tough life growing up. So his, his mum died when he was two. His dad died when he was nine. He was kind of cared for by lots of different people. Uh, and he, didn't he just didn't really get on in life. He dropped out of university. 
uh, and he got himself into debt. And his brother, uh, Nikolai, convinced him to join the army. So this is the kind of middle of the 19th century. And he, he's Russian, and he became part of the Crimean War. And this was the first modern war. So this still had, so remember, Tennyson's Charge of the Light Brigade, they're still kind of fighting with swords and on horseback, but also they're using modern weapons, explosives. Um, and it was really brutal in, 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 its, in the casualties on all sides. And there was mass loss of life. People across the whole of Europe were really sh like shocked at it and the, s the scale of the slaughter. And Tolstoy lived it. He kind of lived and breathed it. And while he's at war, he starts writing. And he starts also thinking about just the deep uh, contradiction and injustice that there is in war. After it, he goes back to Russia, and he's kind of a bit, he's a bit lost, he's a bit dis disillusioned, and he, he's struggling, he's kind of seeking what's life all about, and he starts studying the Bible, and he starts studying the words of Jesus, and it's the Sermon on the Mount that really impacts Tolstoy, it's this message of blessed are the peacemakers, it's, these are the values of the kingdom of God, and so Tolstoy later in life, he completely rejected war and violence in all of its forms, and he had a really profound effect on uh, other 20th century peacemakers. So Martin Luther King Jr. and, and Mah Mahatma Gandhi were really influenced by Tolstoy. So a young Gandhi was actually writing to Tolstoy. There's letters that they're writing backwards and forwards, and Gandhi wrote to Tolstoy asking for advice, saying, what can we do about the injustices that, that there are in India? And Tolstoy writes back to Gandhi, and he says, only through the principle of love that the Indian people will be freed from colonial, colonial British rule. And it was Tolstoy's book that he wrote, which was called The Kingdom of God is Within You, that taught Gandhi about the role of nonviolent resistance. So for me, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a citizen of heaven. We're called to be peacemakers. And this isn't the same as being um, passive, of just kind of choosing to live with the status quo and kind of accepting it. This is about spreading and advancing the kingdom of God through love, through carrying his presence. And we're, we're called to be a people of his presence, not of principles. It's not about us asserting or needing to be right or winning the argument. It's about laying down our right and bringing peace and change through God's Holy Spirit. You know, it was Stephen full of the Holy Spirit that made a difference. So as peacemakers, we need to be a people that are full of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a really beautiful image, I think, in this story as well, right in the middle. In the middle of all the chaos, in fact, just kind of as it's escalating, Stephen has that vision, you know, the heavens open, and he looks up and he sees Jesus stood at, at the right hand of the Father. And this uh, is an image we see lots in the scripture talking about Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, but it's, it's the first and the only time where he stood. And we don't we don't, we don't really know why that is. But for me, I think it's a sign of, you know, Jesus saying, I'm in control. You know, he'd been, he'd literally lived it, this himself. He'd been pulled in front of the Sanhedrin. He'd been sent to his death. And Stephen, I guess, sees that coming. And Jesus is there standing, saying, I'm in control. But also, I'm with you. 
You know, that's our, uh, we're not guaranteed as, as Christians to live lives free from problems, challenges, difficulties. But what we are promised is that when we go through that, Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm there with you. I'm in control. And he can bring peace even to the, the kind of most challenging, difficult situations. So I guess just bringing it, bringing it to a close, you know, where do we need to be peacemakers? You know, what aspects of our lives is it in our family, maybe in our marriage, maybe in our work, our school, in our cities, in our nations? How can we be peacemakers? How can we be people that choose to bring God's presence and God's peace into a situation and rather than escalating it or maybe you know we don't we don't have peace you know there's so much going on anxiety can take over and we really need God's peace so we just want to bring all this uh, back to to Jesus and we're going to finish just by taking communion so maybe if we could stand in our hand back to Pauline, but I'll just pray just to, to finish and then we can move into that. Hmm. Yeah, so just Father, thank you so much that your, your kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Thank you that in the midst of even the most difficult, challenging situations, your presence can bring peace. And Lord, I just ask that even right now, God, that you just be pouring your spirit out on us afresh, Lord, bringing that peace into over, overcoming that anxiety. Take that away, Lord, and just give us your peace, that peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, make us a people that are carriers of your peace, that we can bring peace even to the most chaotic situations, Lord. God, we pray for, for Israel, for Gaza, for what's happening. God, I pray that you would raise up peacemakers. prophetic peacemakers, Lord, that can bring peace even when it seems impossible, Lord. Thank you that you're the Prince of Peace. We pray your kingdom will come, Lord. on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at stirlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Stirling Vineyard Church.